What if you wanted to put together a tuning shop? You get a bunch of engineers and gearheads and businessmen together, and you start working on making cool cars even better. But what if your tuning shop had all of the muscle of one of the world's largest car companies behind it? Well, that's exactly the story of Chrysler's SRT division. This week, we're talking to SRT's Director of Vehicle Dynamics, Mr. Eric Hoysela, on the Grassroots Motorsports Podcast, Episode 2. folks, this is J.G. Pasterjack, and this is the Grassroots Motorsports and Classic Motorsports Podcast, the official podcast of Grassroots Motorsports Magazine and Classic Motorsports Magazine. So if you're listening to us live, or not live, obviously, because it's a podcast, but if you're listening to us on release day, um, that is a very good chance that that release day is Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your families from the entire staff of Grassroots Motorsports and Classic Motorsports magazines. If you are finding this podcast at some later time in some pile of internet flotsam, then we all hope that whatever the next holidays that you celebrate, likewise, is a wonderful one. So, you are probably wondering, first off, where's the chick? If you listened to us last week on our premiere episode, you heard Sarah Young along with me. Uh, Sarah didn't get fired. Sarah's obviously still with us. But we've redone the schedule of a lot of these podcasts. So, I'm sitting here at 1130 on a Sunday night redoing some of the intros and outros. And the ones that Sarah and I did just didn't make sense anymore. So, that's answers that question. Um, You're also probably wondering, hey, what's this whole thing about Grassroots Motorsports Magazine or Classic Motorsports Magazine? So if you're a subscriber to one of our magazines or a reader, you know the answer to that. You know how awesome our magazines are. If you're not a a subscriber to our magazine, then sir or madam, I have a deal for you. Just do this. Visit grassrootsmotorsports.com slash discount or classicmotorsports.net slash discount, and you can subscribe to either or both of our magazines and get 20% roughly give or take a buck or two, uh, 20% off of your subscription. And that counts either for a new subscription or for a renewal. So if you're already a subscriber, please take advantage of that. And um, that will show uh, my bosses that you like the podcast and you're actually listening and you're taking action based on something we're doing. And if you have a better and shorter name for the podcast other than the grassroots motorsports slash classic motorsports podcast the official podcast of grassroots motorsports yeah send send that along too oh man so what's up uh eric hoysela is on the show today Uh, i'm gonna apologize in advance because this was recorded in the trenches baby this was uh we talked to eric uh at willow springs international raceway And the quietest place we could find was the little snack bar there. And there was a catering company that was just breaking down lunch for us. And there's all kinds of clinking glasses and clanging plates. And they were being really, really good about being quiet. But, you know, you're going to hear a lot of background noise. But the conversation is no less stirring. So I hope you can... Uh, listen to this in the manner that it was intended. And and it just goes to show that we are going right out into the trenches to bring you guys back some of the coolest conversations that we have. And there's a lot of stuff like this that just doesn't quite fit. I mean, we're, we're talking to these guys to do research on stories anyway, but we're having these great conversations with these guys. And Eric, we've known forever. We've known Eric since he was 
a neon racer who was working for Chrysler, but I think he was working on PT cruisers or something very pedestrian like that. And over the nearly 20 years we've known him, he's he's risen through the ranks and is now one of the big wigs at SRT, which is a a seriously hardcore group of guys. And I think that really comes through in the talk. I mean, they've got SCCA national champions on their staff. You know, there, there, there's not one guy there who who is not a a very very talented guy, both behind the wheel and behind a slide rule and and behind a desk. So um, we we really hope you enjoy this conversation with Eric. All right, uh, I'm going to let you guys get to it. This is about a the roughly 30-minute conversation with Eric, and we cover all sorts of cool topics, and hopefully you will find something of interest in there. So without further ado, I will introduce Mr. Eric Oishler. with Eric Hoysula. Eric, um, you have been somebody who's been kind of around our way. We've known you for 20 years now since the first Neon came out, obviously. What's what's your official position at SRT? I'm uh, I'm in charge of uh, SRT Vehicle Dynamics. I'm the manager of the group. Although our, our group of SRT Vehicle Dynamics guys is myself, Marco Denise, and Chris Winkler. I don't know if anybody knows Chris Winkler. He's a former Ford National Champion. Yeah. He's the wolf. He's by far the best driver in the company. And um, Chris is so the three of us we tune um, all the suspension, steering, uh, brakes, tires. You know, you flip the car over, all the dirty parts. Um, the you know the way the car drives with respect with everything, but respect to the drivetrain, we tune on all the SRT products. And I think one of the things that people don't understand about SRT, which started out as SVT, back and in the SV, day, right? You know, SVT is Ford. So we were. Oh, sorry. We I mean, were. You were before SRT. We were PVO, Performance Vehicle right. Operations, and that was even before I worked there. Okay. And and then it was SVE for like a okay. short period of time back when I was running IT Neon, like right. late night, really late 90s, 2000. And then it was, you know, it was Team Viper before that. And it was actually largely Team Shelby before that. A lot of the Team Shelby guys from the 80s, you know, the Playboy Cup, yeah. turned, you know, migrated towards the Viper group when the Viper program started. You know, Pete Gladys, those guys. So this really grew out of the old GLH days, well, basically you know, doing not that stuff? specifically, or? but yeah. it kind of worked out Same that way. Same DNA, basically. Yeah, you know, Hanneman, yeah. those guys were all Team Shelby guys. Right. So one of the things that I think people don't really, really get about this is, is y- although you guys are under the, the umbrella of, of the Chrysler Corporation, you know, you operate as your own entity. And, and I mean, the perfect antidote is we're here at, at a, a long lead for the Viper uh, TA. TA package, the, 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 new, the new track back for the Viper. And so this morning you had an autocross set up for a bunch of journalists. Well, there's basically all the brass from from Chrysler up there, you know, uh, Ralph and... and uh, Rudicelli, yeah, who's in charge of all of SRT, and so you you have four or five auto executives not arguing over uh, nav systems or ashtrays, but who, over who's laying down the fastest autocross times, and I, I think that says something about you guys as as a company that people might not realize. Like there are real enthusiasts working under a giant auto corporation building these badass cars. Well, thanks. Yeah, we, uh, you know, there's always been it, it, it's alarming working in the auto industry how many what the percentage of engineers that aren't car enthusiasts because yeah. you know i'm a fourth generation car enthusiast right i don't know any other way but there's always been this core group of guys and you know even back in the 90s when i was working on the pt cruiser 
here in the neon. Uh, for instance, Jim Wilder, who's now the in charge of vehicle development on the Challenger SRT only. He was the exhaust engineer for the neon AC, the second gen neon ACR and the PT Cruiser. And he was a drag racer. And back when I was racing neons, and it was kind of a business because we were, you could win enough money, contingency money. Jim was drag racing, and he was winning money running the nostalgia class. And Jim ended up at SRT before we did. But you know, SRT's kind of the island of misfit engineer, extreme car enthusiasts. Because well, you know, for me, you know, I'd have a job for a few years, and I want to do something else. I have a job for a few years, I want to do something else. That's good for your career. But the reality is, I just wanted to work on the fast cars. And then you know, you go to SRT, pretty much there to stay. Now, do, do, how does Chrysler treat you guys? Do they they give you auto auto leeway to do what you want to do? Or um, yeah, well, as, as you know, since we operate as our own business unit, even from marketing standpoint, engineering standpoint, now you know we're in all our budgets are our 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 own. Our vehicle programs have to be profitable on their own. And so, you know, the Lakers, everything's profitable under the Fiat umbrella now, which is a great thing. And, um, yeah, we're own entity. I mean, even in the darkest days of 2009 when Cerberus was running us, you know, we made money at SRT. We netted millions of dollars of profit for the company. And, you know, even the Cerberus folks, why would you get rid of a division that makes money? Because, you know, people who buy our highest-end products and our performance cars buy them no matter what, really, regardless of what the economy is doing, even though ours are really pretty pretty economical and accessible, but they are still the high, you know, you're going to pay $40,000 for a Challenger SRT, not yeah. thirty. So that's a, that's a big jump in cost. And it drives, draws a different customer a lot of the time. So racing has always been a big, big part of what you guys do. And even probably the first real exposure most of our readers would have had to, um, you know, across the racing program was maybe the Shelby days, you know, back in the, the Playboy Cup or the, yeah. or the Astro Cup. But I think there was a real watershed moment when the Neons came out. And and that was all, all of a sudden, I think, it introduced this entirely new audience to the fact that, oh, my God, I can go to a car dealership bolt a roll cage in a car and I can go racing next weekend and I can actually make a couple of bucks to put put back towards my my tire fund was that was that a model I mean, was that a successful model ultimately for you guys oh, I think it was a huge successful model for us you know you can thank John Fernandez for that you know who was a Shelby Shelby guy and getting into racing and you know he recognized with the neon what was what it was capable of you know back in those days geez I just started at Chrysler 92 I had a Sentra SER a 91 oh, wow. SER and um and I wanted to put a cage in that and run that in showroom B. But then the neon came out. I was a new engineer. So I was one of those people. I, I, I spent 25 grand in 1994. I bought a neon ACR, one of the first ones, the second black one. I, you know, got a truck, got a trailer, you know, put a cage. I, I remember I got the car on Tuesday night. I put a cage in it on Wednesday. I drove it to Nelson Ledges on Friday and ran my second driver's school that weekend to get my regional license. So I, I came at that as a customer because I was a lab rat engineer down around the brake dyno and stuff back then. But, you know, all those same people, Gary Johnson, who's still very you know involved in the Chrysler Motorsports and the GTSR, you know, Gary Johnson was running the Neon Racing Program back there, and he's still around, you know? He's still doing the racing stuff. Brad's got a different job now, you know, raising a family. Dotson's not around. He's around Chrysler. But um, many of us stay, and that was a real special moment because the economy was going really well, and what funded the Neon Program was primarily marketing. You know, all the 
contingency money and that stuff was really a, that was a marketing driven program. And, you know, the cost constraints and the marketing departments have shrunk and they've gotten more based on just selling cars. Now, you know, things really need to go well for longer than they have been now since this recovery before I could see the grassroots level racing coming in. You know, when you have to choose between, you know, NASCAR and ALMS and grassroots racing, the grassroots stuff is cheaper. But what kind of exposure do you get? Yeah, you're only getting exposure to the competitors, basically. Yeah, it seems to come in when, you know, when things are really going well, we start to be able to go after that market. And then, you know, the SCCA and the, and the low-level racing sanctioning bodies have changed, too. That's not as accessible as it used to be cost-wise. And, you know, we came out with the Neon ACR and then all the other manufacturers and dominated and all the man- manufacturers complained and then trunk kits came into showroom stock and that kind of changed showroom stock forever. So, you know, we could be responsible for that if you're upset about it, but really, you know, it didn't work for the SCCA to have a company come in to take marketing money and engineering, significant engineering effort to come up with a dominating package, which we did and totally caught them off guard. Kind of like with the Viper GTSR in the late 90s, too. We showed up right. in France and, oh, this, this car with a truck engine? Really? Okay, sure. And then down. So let's talk about the Viper a little bit. Obviously, we're, the, the event we're, we're speaking at here is uh, the, you know, the preview for the Viper TA. Now, you, you mentioned that grassroots racing is a little, little less accessible than it used to be. What do you think is the, the, the accessible entry point into high performance now is it track days it's track days i mean look at all the new tracks that are out now look at all the groups that are doing track days all the clubs clubs that didn't used to do track days are doing track days tracks put on their own track days and you know cars are just so fast i mean i remember when a 300 horsepower car was it right a 300 horsepower supra and now you know we've got almost 300 horsepower we have 300 horsepower minivans right so there's so much more performance you get in so the the population density, you get in more trouble on the street now, and the cars are so capable. You need to go to a racetrack or go autocrossing to even explore the performance of, of even regular cars now without accepting a whole bunch of risks. So what do you think the percentage of, of Viper guys is that are that are taking... I mean, obviously this TA package is going to be, you know, it's designed to be a track package, but of regular Viper owners, what do you see of, of guys going to the track with those cars? Well, you know, some numbers say 25% of the, Viper, of the Viper owners have been to the track in the cars. Now that includes the drag strip and autocrossing, but that's just huge, you know. It should be low single-digit percentages for everybody else. Now, you know, you can get skewed by the statistics a little bit because we don't, we don't make a lot of Vipers, right? You know, you're talking, you know, 20 plus thousand Vipers ever in 20 years. But um, but still, you know, the Viper is, is you know, it's a ballsy, you know, man's car. And it's, 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 a, it's a challenge for a lot of people to drive it at the track. I don't contend the car is, the car is hard to drive at all. I contend you need to work on your skills so that you can drive this car because car to me is very well behaved it does exactly what i want to do but it steers with the throttle so you just do something dumb it's gonna it's gonna let you know and i, I think what people actually mean by that you know is is I, it's not a hard car to drive in that you know it it it, it, uh, it adheres to the basic physics of, of of bodies in motion but the capabilities of it are so high that there's no place you can go and exploit those capabilities safely without being in some kind of controlled environment well and we also intentionally don't tune the car with excess understeer like a lot of other high performance manufacturers to make the car safe and more idiot proof you know uh, we want the car and you know this goes all the way up to Ralph to be balanced like a race car is and you know you chop out of the throttle or into the throttle at the wrong time in a race car you're going to go around and you know but then again a 5200 pound Grand Cherokee SRT8 
you know, you br- you breathe off the throttle going into a turn, it's not going to just tuck in. You're going to actually get some get some yaw, and the back end's going to come out a little bit. And I think that's how cars, proper cars should handle. Yeah. Now, that was an interesting number you mentioned earlier, 20,000-some uh, 20, Vipers since it started in 92. I mean, that's that's a few months of Corvette production. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't... Personally, I don't really think that they're competing marks, but I mean, you have to sort of mention them on the same the same plane because it's a two-seater American sports car. But I mean, where where do you guys think? Or actually, a better question than how do you think you guys compete with the Corvette is: at what point do you think the Viper? In its, in its lineage became sort of a, a legitimate contender. I think for the first few years of the Viper, it was this sort of upstart. It was this, you know, it was new kid on the block. It was a control arms. Right. Yeah. Hey, you know, somebody's <laughs> challenging Corvette. At what point do you think the Viper became a legitimate contender? I think in 1996 when we did the GTS Coupe, you know, the arrow was significantly improved uh, for stability at high speed. We did a whole new, you know, aluminum suspension on the car with better geometry. We got the 450 horse motor in there, which at the time was, you know, was king of the hill yeah. for everything. And I raced one of those, you know, I ran one in T, uh, a 97 in 98 at T1 and won the runoffs with that. But that was the most difficult car that up till then that I had ever driven. And it took me almost half the season to really learn how to drive that car. But, um, I think that's where we went to it. And then, you know, we've evolved the car. You know, it's, it might be blasphemous to some people to compare it to a Porsche 911, but we're taking the Viper model and we're evolving it. And, you know, some of the things we did with the car for the ZB, which I did some development driving on in the early 2000s, you know, the Gen 3 and then the Gen 4, because I, when I started working at SRT in 05, the Gen 4 stuff is, you know, we've got more power, but we're making changes to the suspension geometry. We're taking advantage of the tire technology. With the ACR, we went where no one's ever gone with production cars, street cars with Aero and, you know, Aero's King um, with the 08, 2008, 2010 ACR. And one of the things we did on the new car was some basics, you know, um, we moved the rear tow link, which controls the tow on the on the rear of the car. It used to be behind the axle center line uh, up until you know 2010. And for 2013, we moved it to in front of the axle center line. With instead of making it really stiff so you don't get tow out from lateral load, let's put it on the inboard side and let's put a tuned bushing in there so you actually get compliance tow in with the outside rear oh. wheel to add some stability to the car. And I think that made a big difference. We also took the front track out, and if you sight down the side of a new Viper, the old Vipers were always like drag cars, wide in the back and narrow in the front, which just which is a bunch of core understeer in the car, and then you run a bunch of rear roll stiffness in the back to compensate for the big tires and the track difference. Well, you know, we're up to 295s on the front. We've got the track without, so if you sight down the side, the, the outside tread blocks of the front and rear tires are in the same plane, which just adds to the handling balance of the car, and you have a more uh, a more balanced suspension setup when you look at the spring rates. Although we still have some pretty ugly motion ratios. I'd love to do push rods or pull rods in the future on the back and get a one-to-one, get a one-to-one motion ratio. Car, hey man, Lamborghini's doing it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those are some of my visions of the future. What, what's preventing you from, from doing that though? I mean, obviously it would, it would cost more, but do you, do you think there's a business model for you guys to really go nuts with this car at some point? Um, potentially, you know, what we, what we had to do, you know, when we started this project in 2010 and I got on the program, uh, from an de- engineering development standpoint, not just dynamics, you know, it was a pretty small program financially and, it, and we needed to make money. And so it's, I think we got a huge amount of bang for our buck for what we did, you know, all new carbon fiber body. We've retooled the frame. We've really put our hands on everything. You know, there's about a bucket of parts on the car that hasn't changed, but we didn't spend a lot of money doing it. You know, we didn't go exotic with, uh, 
some of, you know, we didn't go to an aluminum frame and completely start from scratch on the frame, although we retooled it and we're with a different supplier. But, um, you know, that's a, you know, you spend hundreds of millions of dollars uh, doing a new car program. Um, and, you know, we have to, with our volume and how many we're going to sell and at our profit margin, it has to be a positive business case. So we can't go spend, you know, $500 million on a new Viper and not get that back. So we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can price the car at. We'll see what our sales volumes, you know, I, I think it wouldn't it wouldn't be right to go after a bunch more volume because we could do, so we could do this because it will always be a viper and yeah, i think it would be wrong to go after corvette i think corvette does a very good job of being a corvette yeah. and and to make the viper into a to out corvette corvette i think would be damn near impossible um because you'd have to change people's attitudes too and and you know personally i much prefer vipers i love vipers they're a lot more excuse exclusive it's a it's an american lamborghini right well, it's, it's really yeah. an exotic car yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, and speaking of exclusive, this this TA package, what ninety three of them is all you're going to build? Well, we were originally going to do thirty three, but then you know, once you know the Motor Trend article and it came out, and that's exclusive color, we had a bunch of owners who want it, so we said, okay, we'll go ninety three because it was ninety three seconds around Laguna, okay. and then we're going to do thirty three blacks and thirty three whites, um, and that's that's it. And that's the thing about Viper, you know, most. Men, you know, especially now with the colors and the stripes and interior combinations, many, many Vipers are completely unique. And most of them are almost unique. You know, we made five of those, you know, in that exact combination. Now, actually, the least exclusive new Viper is the blue with white stripes launch edition. Okay. GTS, because, you know, we made 350 of them and they were all the same. <laughs> but so, so with only 93 cars, though, that's almost... That's almost not enough cars for it to be like even a halo model. I mean, that's that's obviously just a a very focused hardcore model for the guy that wants to go go to the track. Now, is is there going to be? Uh, I've asked a couple other guys this, and, and I'll probably get the same answer from you. But what's what's the racing future for for this? current model of, of, of the Viper. Or, or, I can't I can't really say. I mean, I think it would be great if, if, you know, if club racing wanted to wanted to classify it, it'd be the package you'd want because you've got aero, you know, you, you've, you've knocked, you know, uh, 12 or 13 miles an hour off the top end, but, do you, you know, do you really need to go to a six or one? You're not going to go 190 at Road America, right? Um, you're going to go you know, 160 at Road America. And so, yeah, you'd want this package and, you know, it's got the race alignment, but of course you could do that yourself too. I mean, a real racer, you could start with any Viper and you turn it into, or, you know, got the interior, put a cage in it. I mean, this is a fast car. And, you know, the car's built to, to drop belts into right away. You know, you just screw the eyelets into the bosses, you know, throw your Team Tech set of belts in the car. There's slot. Did you see the slots in the seat for yeah. the six points? You know, it's ready to go. You can put harnesses in it in an hour from scratch if you've never done it before. But, you know, you got to think realistically, even on your track day car, if you should be running, you know, 100 and, over 140 miles an hour here at Willow Springs yeah. without a roll cage. Okay, so in, in the past, We've been able to call up Chrysler and buy a ready-to-race Viper ACR or a Comp Coupe or something. Is that a model that you see continuing in, in or, or, or is that a business model you see possibly being being part of this new generation of Vipers? Well, you know, I can't talk about right. stuff like that. But, you know, that work, the Viper ACRX program, the Comp Coupe program worked very well for us. Um, you know, we get a lot of publicity out of it. We have... You know, we don't have trouble selling cars or making cars. I think on the ACRX, we did two batches. The first batch was 50. Um, 
And so it's safe to say it's, it's something that's worked for you guys in the past, and you, you haven't exactly ruled it out yet. No, <laughs> we, we'd never rule that out. Um, we love doing stuff like that. You know, you, you don't have to convince guys at my level, the working level, to do that. You know, the, the thing is, you don't have to convince, you know, Russ and, or Graham, who runs all of Viper, to do that. you you got to take it to the finance guys and, you know, the higher level people who have the money and convince them that this is, you know, a worthwhile program for us financially and, or, or you know, or what we're getting out of it marketing-wise. Cool. So what uh, what does SRT have coming up that we might not know? But it, it, I mean, there, there's all this great stuff sort of up at the Viper end. Is there anything down down towards the the more affordable end that SRT? We're always pushing because we know we've got a hole in the market where the Neon SRT4 and the Caliber used to be. Yeah. Um, it's difficult, though, to fund a, uh, a small car program with its own unique powertrain. If you look at a Neon SRT4, it really had a PT Cruiser GT engine in it with a different intake manifold and some things like that. So in order to put the program together business-wise, which I'm out of my area, and we were uh, talking about this stuff, right, as a dynamics guy, but you just realize the reason why you don't see some products is we've got to make it work business-wise for the company. You know, if if you own the company, you know, would you go spend all this money and never get it back? Well, you've got to have pretty high confidence that, you know, the marketing you're going to get out of it is worth it. But the best situation is we'll make a little money and we'll get a ton of marketing yeah. out of it because then it's a slam dunk. So that's the kind of, that's how we have to balance the equation. And, uh, you know, watching, um, watching um, the... Uh, the uh, X Games last week and the dart got into third. Did you guys watch that at all? That was, I was watching that with my 13 year old son. That was exciting. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I just wish we had a dart SRT4 right now. Yeah, it, it's it, it really takes I mean, we, we still have the hood from our old neon yeah. hang, hanging up in the, in the garage. Um, I still have my 01 ACR, which uh, I never turned into a race car. No kidding. So you know what I did? I put nitrous on it <laughs> in 2002. I never had nitrous. Have you ever had nitrous on a car? No. I always wanted to put nitrous on a car. I'm like, you know what? I'll put nitrous on the car in 2002. And I thought, well, when I blow up the clutch, you know, I'll put a stronger clutch in yeah. it because it won't, it won't take a 75 shot. I can only run a 60 shot that the clutch will hold. What year is it? I'm still running. I, I bet yeah. you I've run 40 bottles of nitrous through that thing, goofing around on the street, nice. <laughs> and I still haven't broken. Well, I, I, I appreciate you sitting down with us. I, I really, ha- you know, I can't stress enough what a cool operation as SRT is. I, I wish we could really get that message out to people because it's it's neat. You guys are the are, are a modern day skunk works. It, it's amazing. You, you have more in common with. With a you know a high end race shop, then I think you do a major car manufacturer in a lot of ways, and it's neat to see a major car manufacturer allowing that to go on under their umbrella. Well, thank you. That's a that's a huge compliment, you know. But Chrysler of of big car companies, we're the smallest one. You know, we've got the flattest management structure. You know, what other car company would I have Ralph's cell phone number and I could just call him up Ralph Gilles' cell phone yeah. number? You know, senior vice president. What other car company would, would senior vice president Ralph Gilles be hanging out here in jeans and a t shirt and comparing autocross time? everybody yeah yeah but and and you know that is an srt thing but that also does exist throughout chrysler and other things if you look at the jeep group you know there's 
it's a team, but it's not a humongous team, right? It's not a GM or Ford level engineering team. You, you know, working at Chrysler, you've got a lot more autonomy, you've got a lot more parts that you're responsible for, and you have a lot more say in the way the cars come out, which is what draws us to you know a lot of enthusiasts to Chrysler over some of the bigger car companies where you know you're the front lower controller and bushing engineer not in charge of the whole system. And then don't even car. know what car you're the front lower controller on <laughs> yeah. bushing engineer for, you know? Yeah, which I, so. I, I that I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be doing this job anymore if I had to do that I'd I'd go be I'd be doing something else. yeah and I mean it's it, it's worth noting that we're talking to you literally five minutes after you took your helmet off and got out of a, a Viper TA on, at Willow Springs here so you're you're obviously you know walking the walk as as well as well, doing thanks. anything uh, you know there's, there's you, a you, lot you, of racers you, you, you have a runoffs victory to some well, back there, that up there's too. a lot of racers working in vehicle dine X washed up club racers working in with engineering degrees working in vehicle dynamics at car companies or working at Bosch tuning stability control systems you know so it's funny because I run into the same people yeah. all the time but it's great to work with them because we all we all we're all the same ilk you know just like you and you know we all talk the same language we know we know what we also know what we want in a car yeah. You know, that's the biggest thing is trying to teach somebody who doesn't have a racing background what you're looking for in a performance car that a lot of times you can't measure. It's a tangible. And and I just think it's very cool that you've gotten yourself into a position and surrounded by people that know what they want in a car and have a car company to do it with. Well, I got really lucky getting this uh, getting this job back in 2005. Cool. Eric Horschler, thanks for uh, thanks for you know being part of our world for so long. Appreciate you sitting down with us and we will uh, so what well, actually if somebody wants more information on on SRT like actually can is there a, a factory tour that somebody can do of the SRT shop? Um no, no, it's pretty private. Is it? Um it's pretty closed down cuz you know we have our own shop and we've got future stuff in there so no. Um if you buy a Viper, you can go to the Connor plant in okay, so buy, um in buy a Viper. You can go to the Connor plant in uh, in Detroit. Um, you can pick up your car at the plant. You know, kind of like your pin delivery on cars. You can pick up your car at the plant, and you can you can actually hang around and watch it be built be built over a couple of days, which is pretty cool. But the other the other cars, um, you know, the Jeeps made at JNAP in Detroit, and the the Charger Challenger 300 are made at um, Brampton in Ontario, along with the other base cars. But you know, all our parts are going on them. But um, we've got our own website, DriveSRT.com, okay. and there's a lot of cool stuff. It gets updated all the time. I don't do you know Facebook and Twitter personally um, you know I'm 46 years old and I'm raising kids so <laughs> I'm just trying to get enough sleep a lot of the time but um, you know we're very active we have a whole group that does does all the social media stuff too and we try and do a lot of fun things like watching them shave my head and yeah, you know about that when the, when, uh, we, when we broke the ACR record with the TA which was pretty cool I like losing that way yeah that's awesome all right well th- thanks for now there Eric Orsha we appreciate you uh, sticking around for so long and and uh, talking to the grass Motorsports, folks. Thanks, Gigi. So that's our chat with Mr. Eric Hoyschel. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I did think it was really interesting that, that he mentioned that they are well aware of their lack of a small car in the in in the SRT stables, and um, you know maybe it's going to be the the Dart. Is, is going to be an actual SRT model. I think the Dart lends itself very, very well to that. I mean, it could be the next SRT4. Um, the Caliber, yeah, you know, kind of didn't quite fit the mold. Great 
powertrain, you know, tons of power, but in kind of a weird, let's face it, a kind of an odd body. I mean, it wasn't quite a wagon or a truck, and it certainly wasn't quite a car. It didn't really know what it wanted to be, but it knew it was fast, and it knew that it could get the heck out of its own way in a really, really short, short amount of time. Um, but everything else they, they've got in the lineup is is just dynamite. I mean, you know, the Challenger and the 300 and the, the trucks are extremely cool. They had a couple of Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee SRT8s that they were given recon laps of of uh, the track of Willow Springs with. And you, you want to talk about an absolutely capable vehicle. Uh, no Jeep Cherokee, except, of course, the one that wins the $2,000 challenge every year should handle as well as, as, as these things do. It's just it's ludicrous. Um, OK, look, so where, where are we at here? I uh, hope, hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you are enjoying the podcast as a whole so far. Uh, if, if you are, please go to our message board and we can talk about it there. You guys can uh, send in ideas for future podcasts. We have about another oh six or seven of these in the vault already that just need to be remastered a little bit and cleaned up a little bit but they are extremely interesting conversations with some extremely interesting people and we're going to be releasing those every tuesday for the foreseeable future i'm not going to give you the exact schedule right now but it could be you know because it could change at a moment's notice but there are some very very cool uh, people coming up just on the stuff we have in the can already um so if you know somebody if you are somebody that has a great story and can give up half an hour of your life to, to chatting with somebody. Um, please let us know. Uh, that would be, that would be wonderful for the readers of grassroots motorsports. Again, this is something we do for the readers to give them a, a little bit better look at our notebooks, more or less. There's a lot of stuff we're doing as journalists that really, just don't quite make it onto paper. I mean, that conversation I had with Eric was basically the conversation that I was going to have with him anyway at lunch or sitting down at this press lead that we were at for the for the Viper. But we just happened to record it and and made it a little more back and forth instead of just two guys shooting the bull. You know, we made it a little more directed, but that was a part of my job I was going to do anyway. And for me to be able to share that with you is very exciting for, for, well, hopefully both of us. It's certainly very exciting for me. Um, so look, I'm rambling here. If you do not uh, yet subscribe to Grassroots Motorsports Magazine or Classic Motorsports Magazine, well, you, sir or madam, should fix that. And here's how you do it. Go to grassrootsmotorsports.com slash discount or go to classicmotorsports.net slash discount. And when you subscribe at either of those two pages, they're going to knock about 20% off of the cost of your subscription or your subscription renewal. If you go to grassrootsmotorsports.com, just the front page of our site or classicmotorsports.net, the front page of that site, you're also going to find a huge repository of, of information on sports cars. A couple of great message boards, uh, the grassroots board and the classic board are two of the more active general purpose sports car and fun boards uh anywhere i mean we were talking about tens and even hundreds of thousands of 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 visitors and um many many thousands of active participants and a amazing diversity of personalities on there so please please take advantage of that um and and find some find some fun there once again uh, if you are listening to this 
uh, on download day, then a very, very, very happy holidays to you. Uh, the staff of Grassroots Motorsports is going to be actually working over the holidays, not full time for everybody, but deadlines never sleep, baby. So we we take our holidays when we can get them. Uh, we're a tight knit group and we, we do not mind putting in some extra hours to make sure the product gets to everybody. And we really, really appreciate hearing feedback from you guys when we do something you like. And even when we do something you don't like, because that helps us fix it the next time. And again, if this podcast is something that you guys are enjoying, tell your friends, subscribe to it, get your friends to subscribe to it. If you don't like it, have someone that you don't like subscribe to it as some sort of revenge or passive aggressive prank. You can play it, play on them. And uh, that's about it. So we will see you next week. Remember, every Tuesday there are new episodes going up. And by every Tuesday, I mean sometime between Monday and Tuesday when we actually do the button pushing. But uh, by Tuesday, they are up and they are ready to go. So put them in your MP3 player, drive to work with them, and enjoy. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for Grassroots Motorsports Magazine and Classic Motorsports Magazine, I am JG Pastorjack. I will see you next week. Goodbye.